You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome along to the Content Academy podcast. I am Paul Caffrey. I'm joined by Philip McGrath. Phil, how's it going? What's up with it? Oh, all good, all good. Another busy week has come to a close and we've been lucky enough to have a, a podcast uh, recorded as well. Um, everything good with you? Yeah, can't complain. Still ticking away in the 30-day blogging challenge. Uh, I suppose by the time this episode goes out, we'll be pretty much finished our 30-day challenge. But at the time of recording, we have uh, a week left to go, Paul. Yeah, we certainly do. You've got more posts out there i think our hits are slightly are, are pretty much very very close or you're edging it so well i'm enjoying playing catch up over the last seven or eight days and let's let's see where it ends up now someone who has had to work to deadlines over a much longer period of time is alison canavan who is our guest for today's podcast so she is an author um she was a model she's got a, a website uh, based on mindfulness and nutrition and i suppose all around how to have a, a better lifestyle focusing on young mums she's also been published in numerous newspapers been on national television uh, interviewed on that platform many many times and i mean look this show we had a blast chatting away and we we're really focusing on what it takes to actually take the content that you've put together on your blog and actually turn it into a book which becomes a bestseller, which is something Alison has done over the last six months or so. Uh, and for me, I found it a really, really uh, interesting take on, you know, what are that, the real challenges behind actually getting a book written? Yeah, I mean, there was loads. I mean, I was very interested to speak to Alison about the what goes on that we don't see when it comes to creating a book. I know it's something both yourself and I have spoken about before, Paul, about, about the possibility of writing a book. Um, so it was interesting to chat to Alison about that. But I mean, if I take that away to one side, I mean, we had a good chat with Alison about everything that kind of led to the book and, and her whole philosophy on life from where she was and where she is now. And even from that point of view, I think there's a lot that people can learn from it. It may not necessarily be around creating content per se, but the, the attitude at which Alison attacks everything is, is certainly inspirational. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even though we, we don't get into the nuts and bolts, it's not a technical one by any any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I mean, mapping out your content, finding your passion, you know, how to get your voice out there, how to find that. Like there's there's a whole lot of that great stuff spoken about. And then, you know, how tough it actually is to, to go and get a book deal and, and the editing process that comes along with that and the challenges. So, you know, I found it a real learning curve as uh, I have not published a book yet. That is something which is it's on my bucket list, but also from a business point of view, absolutely something I want to seriously consider over the coming year or two. So um, I suppose without further ado, let's uh, pass things over to Alison Canavan. Yes, so as I said, we have Alison Canavan on the line from alisoncanavan.com. Alison, how the hell are you? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Thank you for agreeing to come onto the show. I know it's something we've been trying to set up for a while, so uh, great to finally get our calendars in sync and get you on the show. Yes, I know. I'm delighted to be here. I suppose before we kick into the nuts and bolts of the podcast, you might just give our audience a bit of background on you. So kind of where you started and uh, what you're at at the moment. Ooh, I'll have to try and synopsize this. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite a colourful journey. I started modelling, I suppose, when I was about 15. And that took me on a journey. Actually, it was it was very lucky that I did because I suppose as a, as a a secondary school girl I didn't really know what I wanted to do you know when you're given that CAO form and you're like 
wow, what do I fill in here? So I was really <laughs> lucky that um, I was modeling and I had been in London and Paris and I was able to just uh, continue straight after school and go to London and work and continue in Paris. And I moved to London straight after, so I was only about 17. So I was traveling the world for a long time and I lived in Australia for a while, modeling in Sydney. And then in my mid-20s, I moved to New York and stayed there for eight years. And from then, then I worked all over America, like LA, Miami, and I went down to South Africa for a while as well. So really anywhere that there was a market um, I could move to at modeling, which was fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant. Sounds, sounds like the lifestyle. So, yeah, I suppose then I returned home to Ireland and I was unexpectedly pregnant, but obviously a very welcome surprise now, five and a half years later. And I decided that I had to go a different route. I was 32. Like Modeling in Ireland is not as lucrative as it is in New York. It's not something that you can make a very good living from. And then look, you know, I was 32. I wasn't 21 anymore. It's like, how long can you keep pushing this modeling thing out for, you know? Um, so I had to start going, God, what will I do next? You know, what, what are my talents? What are my passions? And I fell into writing, actually. And it was something that I really did not want to do because I had been always been told, actually, by a school teacher in school, an English teacher, I remember that I was very bad at English and I just had it cemented into my head that I was really bad at English. And I even remember I carried that with me. I remember even in school going into English exams thinking, oh, what's the point? Just try and get yourself through it because you're probably not you're never going to get more than a D. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the only one. I had that as well. My English teacher yeah, told, really? me I, told me I was absolutely rubbish. And uh, here I am some years later making uh, making a living out of it. I know it's crazy, isn't it? And it's it's funny. It just shows you the power of what people tell you and what you start to believe when you're told things about yourself as well. So I started to try to column for VIP magazine and very nervously submitted my first column and was like, oh, God, I wonder what she thinks. And I didn't really get much feedback. So basically I wrote and it my column went out there and I had a lovely response from the public and a lot of people saying, God, you know, your column is so honest and so open and it's amazing and I didn't set out to be an honest writer I actually just literally wrote what I was going through as a new mom and some weeks later then my editor turned around and she said wow like your column um, is one of the first columns that I've never really had to edit and I was going so that's a good thing yeah. <laughs> she was like that's a great thing Alison like usually I have to bring people's work in and do a lot of work on it so that gave me a huge boost in my confidence like to hear that from her and from such a, an esteemed editor, like she's done most of the biggest magazines in Ireland, Elaine Prendeville, and I really respected her and looked up to her. And that's why I feel it's really important to have good mentors like that. And she trusted me and she let me come up with ideas and she let me push my own boundaries. Um, and she challenged me as well, you know, when she felt I was getting comfortable, she kind of asked me to push myself a bit further. So then I started to submit articles into the Independent and then the Daily Mail. And I've had a column in the Daily Mail for many, many years now where I cover kind of travel parenting every Thursday. But I do cover their travel as well and health and wellness. And I suppose anything that comes up that's relevant to me, they'll put my way, which is fantastic. That's great. Um, but I suppose running alongside that the last few years as well has been I started to do an awful lot of talks. I went back to college. I've done a lot of wellness courses. I went back to the Irish Institute of Nutrition and Health and I studied uh, 
went back to study nutrition and I'm about to start a raw foods mastery course. I'm, I'm really, really involved and interested in, you know, overall health and wellness, I suppose. After I had my son, I suffered from really bad postnatal depression, but I had been suffering from depression and anxiety for most of my life. But really, when I had my son, it was the first time in my life that I thought, okay, this is not about you anymore. You have somebody else that needs you, that you have to look after. Mm. And really now you have got to get to the bottom of what is going on here. And I suppose when I was given an option of medication again, this I suppose was the first time that I was like, you know what, I'm really not comfortable with heavy medication because I'm feeding. And again, it's never about us, is it? It's never about what's what's good for us. It's always for me, it was about the baby, about somebody else. Mm. But I suppose through worrying about somebody else led me on a path of self-care. So I suppose it kind of led me back to having to mind myself. So I decided that I was just sick of being written prescriptions all the time. You know, I mean, I just thought there's just got to be another way. Never at any stage through the years did somebody talk to me about my food or my lifestyle or, well, nobody ever asked me actually. Like nobody yeah. ever asked me, well, what are you eating and do you exercise or you know, anything about my lifestyle habits so and how I just live. make the assumption because you're, you're successful, you know, in, yeah. in a business where you have to be fit. So people will just make the assumption that, look, Alison knows what she's doing, you know? Yeah, but I also I think that, yeah. I, I just don't think doctors ask those type of questions sometimes. You know, some do. You know, you can't tell everyone with one brush, but I started to really research then, you know, what is this all about? I really need to get to the bottom of of what's going on with me. And I started to kind of clean up my lifestyle and my diet, which had a very powerful impact. Like I remember cutting out sugar um, when I was recovering from postnatal depression and this fog kind of lifted quite quickly. And I remember upping things like my omega-3s because I was doing so much research. And I just remember feeling great for the first time ever and just not foggy and just everything wasn't so much I didn't have to push myself through the day so much and, you know, finding an exercise that I enjoyed. And I've been meditating for many years now, probably about 17 years. But what I started to do was do, instead of doing like an hour and a half on a Thursday, what I started to do was just do 10 minutes every single day. So I started to notice the immense power that doing little things over time, it was more the accumulation of it started to have a huge effect. So the meditating every day, whereas you might be sitting there thinking, God, you know, what's the point in this? Or I don't really feel like it's working or we have such high expectations of all these things. And but what I started to notice was that it was outside of the practice that I started to notice the magic, like my stress levels weren't as bad and my ability to cope with stressful situations was much easier. And I was sleeping better and I was thinking more positively and you know, I'm more creative when I put time into myself. And then I just remember one day the penny dropped when I was sitting in my, I was living back with my mum, by the way, as well. So at 32 years of age, having lived on Central Park West, <laughs> you know, I'm suddenly back in my old bedroom that I left 17 years before. Um, and it was still the same bedroom as it was when I left all those years before. You still had your brass poster on the wall, did you? Pink and all of the, yeah, seriously, you know, when you're there going, oh my God, I remember sitting there going, <laughs> How did this happen? How did I end up back here, you know? And I just remember one day taking a big, deep breath, sitting on the bed and going, oh, and I felt really content for the first time ever. And I thought, hold on a second. I don't have all of those things that are supposed to bring you happiness. So all the materialistic things like my own home, 
you know, I didn't feel like I was very successful at the time, you know, so all the status symbols like job and boyfriend and, you know, all of the things that we perceive to bring us happiness. I didn't have any of them. I kind of hit rock bottom for myself. Yet I was the most content and happiest I've ever been. And that was a real turning point for me. And I because suppose I thought, is, that, is, is that where the, the idea for the, the blog came about then, is to, to share that wisdom with, with everyone and, and kind of show them these things? Well, I suppose from that point, I kind of, that was a weird start of my self-discovery journey of, hold on a second, I like this feeling and I want to hang on to it. So how do I hang on to it? So that led me down a path of really researching true wellness and it led me, everything, all roads led to the same place, that self-care is selfless and we all need to put ourselves first, especially new moms, because I was a new mom at the time. Because, you know, if your tank is empty, like I keep saying to people, you wouldn't get up every day and get into the car in the driveway if you hadn't put petrol into it and go, oh, my God, it's not going and keep trying to start it because that would be a sign of madness. Yet that is what we all do every single day. Most of us in the modern world, we're chronically stressed. We don't look after ourselves. We don't nurture ourselves and nourish our, ourselves properly. Yet we expect ourselves to run at full capacity. So when you think about it like that, it's just a bit crazy. But I think we also in the Western world think that there's something wrong with minding yourself. I think we've got all the messages kind of mixed up, you know, because we, we attach it to ego and vanity, which it's really not. Mm. You know, self-care is very powerful because you're a far greater benefit to everyone around you, friends, family, you know, if you're a parent, your children, you've got much more to give when you give to yourself first. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there that I could really hone in on. Um, I'd agree with you in everything you're echoing there, Alison. I mean, the food that you're putting in is fueling what you're doing. So would you, you know, put dirty diesel into an engine? No, you wouldn't. Yeah, it's, we, you know, convenience. We eat a lot of bad food, our busy lives. Um, and even the ego thing, I was only speaking the other day to somebody about, you know, going to the gym and the gym routine. And then one, one comment just came in and said, what do you want to go to the gym for? What, are you just trying to get abs or something? And you're just there going, you're missing the point here. It's about mm. setting you up so that you can actually, you know, work and focus. And um, I suppose for me, that's one thing I've noticed. Um, when I am fit and in that good routine, eating well, going to the gym, the online business, everything else, it ticks along that bit better, that bit more, you know, faster. And there's more positivity there as well, which is, is always refreshing to anybody who you're around. Um, what I kind of find intriguing is you've obviously got a talent for writing, which uh, you, I suppose, honed in on. Um how did you actually come to start, get your own blog started and actually, you know, decide what to write about? Because that's something a lot of people we speak to, they really struggle with. Absolutely. And it's about finding your voice. And what I've really learned is when my website started, just it set out to be a place that all agents in the world could see. You know, when I lived in New York, I just bought AlisonCanavan.com. Mm. And it was really a place for all my work to be shown. So my most recent shoots would go up, my agents in Germany. So it was more streamlining my work. So the writing part of it really came in when I came home to Dublin and we redesigned it. And once I started writing for VIP and stuff, I started to write all about parenting and stuff I was interested in at the time. So I just kind of kept it to whatever was going on in my life and what's current. And what I would say to everybody is, don't try and imitate someone else who has been really successful just because they've been really successful. They've been really successful most likely because they're writing about what they're really passionate about and what makes them tick and is their truth and is how they're living. So it's really important to kind of find your purpose. And, you know, that you might have to trial and error that as well. 
you know, you might go down where I've been to, listen, I can't tell you, my family would if you ever spoke to them, how many times I have been back in college. All the years of my traveling all over the world, Alison was always doing a course. And I'd always ring my mom and go, yeah, you know that course I'm in at the moment? And she goes, don't tell me, Alison, don't tell me. It's just not for me. It's just not what I want to do. And I was like, I mean, I really enjoyed the course. It was great, but I just can't see myself in that career. And I think everyone had just kind of given up going, God, can, would she ever see herself in that career? And literally, I know that that's how so many people feel that are out there. And what happens is that most people start in a job and they think they have to stay there, even if they don't like it, because they're afraid of kind of pushing themselves to try new things. Or, you know, people think they get to a certain age and they're too old to try new things. I mean, I literally just finished college again last June. I'm about to start another course next week I'll be going back again in September to finish my my NT so it's never too late like I was in a herbalism course yesterday with the lady Joan Hanrahan she's incredible and she went back to study full-time at 57 and finished at 63 and she is one of the leaders in her field today she's 74 she's incredible so she's a real testament to it's never too late to follow your dreams and she was saying that when she was young the reason why she never went back to school is because all of her teachers and she had been told that she just wasn't third level material you know she just wasn't as smart as everybody else and she just you know it would probably be a waste of time if she went down that road so i think yeah it's crazy isn't it oh absolutely (laughs) actually it reminds me where i remember taking a day off school about seven or eight of us did to go in to look at a couple of the universities and then getting pretty much abused when we went back into school the next day for missing school and then getting told, so what are you guys doing looking at that? And it was like, going, right, you just made me so mad right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, you shouldn't be ever anything. Anybody knocks you back, you shouldn't shouldn't accept it. And uh, obviously I've went on similar to yourself many, many years in college and recommend it if you're doing a course, which is, is good for you. You know, I've seen a lot yeah. of people who sometimes get into a four year degree and and think they have to finish it out and they're not enjoying it. And often sometimes you're better refocusing and doing something else. But let me not go off into that because that's a totally different <laughs> topic. So um, I suppose, Alison, here's here's something which I, I've thought about, you know, writing a book. And that's something which is in the back of my mind. I'm kind of there going, that's something I want to do in the next couple of years. You know, a few things on at the moment. So I'm, I'm not going to uh, get too far ahead of myself. But I mean, I mean, how did you go? Because obviously you're, you know, you're published, you're in the yeah. shops, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, PR I've heard about it from, and a lot of different areas online. So, so how did you go about making that happen? Well, I had the idea for the, the first is to come up with the idea and to really be certain and focus on what you want. So I had a few different ideas for the type of book I wanted and I presented it to a few people and they were like, no, no. I went looking for a book and um, that was just for moms. That was just for mums' well-being. And I suppose I was really looking for answers. Like I was struggling as a new mom. I didn't know whether it was just, you know, my own personal experience, whether I was just a bad mom, you know, I was having all these feelings or whether other people out there who were who felt the same way. And I remember going over to London because I was working quite a lot and I went into a big store on Oxford Street there and I said, you know, do you have a book? And at this stage, I was quite close to tears all the time, I remember. And I said, do you have a book for new moms? And the lady said, yes, we do. And I went, oh my God, brilliant, brilliant. And she brought me over to this huge, big section. And I remember looking at all the books and she was kind of looking at me going, are you okay? And I went, 
these 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 are these are books for babies. These are for mom, but they're all about the baby. Every single book, and she went, "Oh my yeah. goodness, you're right. We don't have a book for new moms." So from that day onwards, I was really hell bent on wanting this book for new moms, and so many people just kept saying to me, "Oh, it would never work. It would never work." Well, you know. If it was something that was going to work, there would be loads of books like that out there. Like you get yeah, all yeah. sorts of opinions. And then I had some publishers saying to me, you know, if it was something that would have been successful, somebody would have thought of it already. And I was going, no, that's the whole reason <laughs> I want to do it is yeah. because, listen, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. It's just obviously someone hasn't thought about writing a book for wellness and new mums. You know, that's as simple as it is. Like, so, and you know, I suppose once one person does it, loads of other people will do it. But I was really blessed after years of kind of trying. And I'm the type of person that's just like, just leave everything behind today, wake up tomorrow and start again. And I have that attitude every single solitary day, no matter what happens, no matter who said what. If you believe in something strongly enough, you just need to get up and keep working towards it and feel positive about it. So I was looking enough, um, my friend Avril Mulcahy had a book published with Gail and she introduced me to a lady called Deirdre Nolan. And I remember sitting with her in the Westbury and it must have been for about five or six hours. And she was pregnant at the time, luckily for me. And, uh, <laughs> oh, excellent. And uh, by the time the few hours was over, because I'm always, I'm used to kind of pitching things where someone says, no, I don't think so. And I just keep going and keep going and keep going. Well, what about this? Or what about this? Or what about this way? And I was, really really sure in my mind of what I wanted I wanted a book that covered the full 360 I wanted people to join the dots with health and wellness I wanted it to cover everything from nutrition to exercise to stress to work-life balance to meditation and mindfulness and gratitude which was a really important thing for me as well and all of those chapters were equally important to me just to show people the full picture and she really believed in it but that's only step one then she has to go back to the team she then presents it to the team. So there's a really nerve wracking process that comes in after that. Right. And she goes back and she, you know, presents to the team and you have to wait to hear back from them and see what they have to say. And this time I got really lucky because the whole team believed in it and said that it was a great idea. Now I had written the intro, which is my story synopsized. And I had written the first chapter and I had very detailed chapter outlines done after that. And I had written probably at this stage, 250 to 300 parenting articles that were published and Excellent. different articles. So I at least, uh, you know, everybody else in the publishers was able to go and see my style of writing. And, you know, I was just about to finish college. So I had the accreditation to back me up. And, you know, if you're one of those people like me who trusts in the universe, I suppose all the years that I had been pitching my book, I probably wasn't ready, even though I thought I was. So I did actually get the deal at the right time for me when all, everything yeah. else had fallen into place. But then you see, because you're pitching a book for so long and you have such a wonderful idea, you kind of have it written <laughs> in your head. You know, you're like, yes, I'm going to do this for chapter three and this for chapter four. And then they were like, we want it really quickly. And I was on weekly deadlines. And I have to really? say, wow. it was a really tough process. Some weeks went great. I, I remember saying to a friend of mine, um, I just think it was about the year before I had written my book. God, you know something? I often hear people talk about writer's block and I've never, ever experienced that. And I just <laughs> felt so lucky. And I was going, never have I experienced writer's block. And 
you know, even if I'm struggling to come up with a topic for my column, I always do and I always get lucky. And even if it's last minute on a Monday evening and there I was for two weeks, I was about to curse there. I just, I was right. You can curse away. You can curse away. You won't be the first and you won't be the last. I couldn't write words. I was like so frustrated and was like, you know this, like, why can't you just sit down? I remember doing the beauty chapter and writing I don't know, about five or 6,000 words and reading it back going, what a pile of shite. <laughs> and just going, delete. Oh, yeah. And that was the first time I went through that process. And I will say it's, um, it's a tough process to go through, you know, when you're under pressure to, I think because I was given the book deal based on the first two chapters that I really felt enormous pressure to keep the rest of it at that level. Yeah, yeah. And I remember writing those two chapters and I felt like myself, I was on fire that day. Like it just flowed really nicely. Yeah. And oh, sometimes great. you get into that energy and sometimes you just don't, you know. So what did oh, you do absolutely. to overcome that writer's block then, Alison? Um, I actually took a very good friend of mine, David Gilna, is a writer. and I oh, We've had Dave on the show already. Have had we have. Show. And he just said to me, um, as hard as it is right now, and I know you're on very tight deadlines, take a few days off. Take a few days off, go and have fun, get out, try not to think about it. And it was the best advice I ever got. I took three or four days off. I actually really tried as hard as I could not to think about it. And when I was sat down again, I was a bit fresher and I was able to go for it again. So sometimes you just need to take a break. So, I mean, in terms of obviously having those deadlines that you had to mm. meet, the weekly deadlines, um, did you have a plan for your week and the, like a word count every day or yes. how you'd work that yeah. out? Or Some days, like I kind of said to myself, great, if I get more more words out at the beginning of the week, that's fantastic, you know. Mm -hmm. But there was a chapter a week um, that I wanted to get done. And, you know, I managed to hit it pretty well. Sometimes I could sit down and do the whole chapter in one day. Now, in saying that, all of these chapters had been teased out on mood boards and storyboards. And, you know, it wasn't that simple. Like every single chapter had been thought through. And if you see my book, you will understand how well it's been thought through and broken down into different sections. So I was really just filling in the gaps in between, you know, yeah. in between with information, because I, I wanted I was very specific about how I wanted this book to look and feel. And I wanted it to be a kind of a go to book for moms. You know, if you're a new mom, you're not really in the space of sitting down and reading through a book. Mm. So I wanted you to be able to flick through it and go, OK, nutrition today. I want to make a smoothie or I want to get back to exercise or I want to know about, you know, and going back to work. Does Alison have any tips or I want to try meditations and I've got, you know, meditate. I've got loads of stuff on my website that you can download to go with the book. So I wanted people to be able to, you know, just reference the book whenever they wanted and not not for it to be too difficult to get through. And, and it's, it's really interesting the way you're saying you had the, the mood boards and you had it all mapped out because it's something we've spoke to our guests about. Uh, mm. It's popped up a good few times, obviously mapping out, but you had your time set aside to write and you had your research and everything already done. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's, a, it's, it's something that we see and it's a, one of the big causes of writer's block that I see from, from clients we speak to and, and other bloggers is that when it comes time to writing, that often involves, well, what am I going to write about doing the research and then eventually writing? Whereas you've had all that done. So writing time is solely just for writing time. It, it's not about your research. It's not about no. mapping it out. That's been already done in advance. And if I might ask you, you had your mood board and everything else mapped out. How yeah. long did all that take you to do? Oh, years. Like, that was years. Like, honestly, I know some people might go, oh, my God. But, like, I had been piecing this together 
you know, throughout the, like James is five and a half. Well, he's five and a half now. So really since he was about one, I started to put my ideas down. Like I have a whole, I'm sitting in my office now and I'm looking at, there's a whole different section. There's a whole shelf and it's like book ideas. And there's a whole section dedicated. If I took that down now, that is, that has changed and molded over the time. But mm. I was consistently and constantly working on that. I spend my life researching. Like, that's all I do. I spent my life researching. I also kept researching the market. That was a really, I mean, that was quite a nerve wracking thing for me. Because I remember when I was writing my book, a book came out in England called The New Mum Manual. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, my God, are you for real? (laughs) You were Um, beaten to it. Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh, of course, I went and bought it. And it was from a doctor. And it's very good. And it's brilliant. But in the first two chapters are about mum. And the rest of it's about the baby. Yeah. And the so you're same like, happens. Yes, it's not your yeah. idea. And the same <laughs> happened with a mom in New York who actually was a doctor as well. And she brought out a book for moms. And yes, it's the overriding message was self care. But again, like I'd say, 80% of the book was about the baby. So in my book, it's not about the baby at all. It's really just focusing on the mom, which was really important for me. So I kind of am always, even now, I'm constantly keeping abreast of what's going on worldwide. You know, mm. is there books coming out like that? I'm always on wellness seminars. I'm always doing my research, you know, the most recent research on women's health and mum's health. And I think that's really important that you don't just, you know, do a course or have an idea. And if it's three years later, you're still pitching the same idea. Like you need to make sure that you're current, that you've moved with the times, that you're constantly, like you really need to, if it's nonfiction, like mine was, you have to be really clued in to what's out there, what's your competition, you know, what's the kind of mood? Is there a market out there? Mm. Like, is this something people want to read? And I'm really lucky, I suppose, through my blog and the fact that I do a lot of TV and radio and presenting and shows and I do a lot of talks that I'm in a position where I get a lot of feedback, which is brilliant because I, I knew my book was still needed because I'm getting the same emails from moms week in, week out with the same basic questions and they all come down to one thing. They want to know how to look after themselves. They have lost their sense of self after having a baby. Their confidence is gone. They've low self-esteem. You know, how do I get my positive body image back if you ever had it even as a woman? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was just kept getting all the same questions all the time. So I knew that there was, you know, a, a space and a gap in the market. Yeah, so you know, the, the, I suppose the questions needed to be answered and yeah. we obviously we're, we're constantly seeing, right, there's no answers out there. Cool. With that, so I suppose I'm, I'm trying to get my head around it. So you've you've worked through all these, you know, tough deadlines. You've kind of got it through. So I presume does it come to a point where you get the, the book comes to, there's a draft version. Yeah. Uh, what happens at that point? You... <laughs> this is, I always joke with the girls in, in Gale because I think just to get you to that point, it's kept going, so um, this is the hardest part, Alison. You're nearly there now. You're nearly there. This is it. It's the hardest part. It's like giving birth. <laughs> and um, they say, this is the hardest part. You give birth and they forget to tell you how bloody difficult it is when you take them home. Um, so, uh, yeah, I remember submitting the book and naively went and celebrated with my friends. We were like, yay, the book's after being submitted. I'm free at last. And, oh, my goodness, the editing process. <laughs> is is tough is really really tough like there's a couple of rounds of the editing process you have to work with an editor and you know it comes back with loads of different marks coming out of it and suggestions and 
you know, with my book now in particular, there was an enormous amount of fact checking. You know, you're giving nutritional advice and exercise and everything. So every single part of my book had to be checked by the editor and fact checked over and over and over. And so we had to do that a couple of times. And the final draft then was was a tough one. You know, it was done over Christmas. I just took Christmas Day off like it was a labor of love. Like I really... is it a case and you're having to rewrite stuff from comments that are Not made? Really. Yeah, I mean, you just really rewrite any of my stuff. You just have to make sure that everything structurally sounds right, looks right. Um, you know, God, I can't even explain it. It's you have to go through every single sentence over and over. And then, you know, there was some of the stuff that I just wasn't happy with then. And I yeah. thought, oh, that shouldn't really have that in there. And then there's some illustrations in mine as well. And you know, I wanted some graphs and everything. So my book was it's quite a comprehensive book. It's not as straightforward as a story, you know, um, telling a story. So yeah. there was a lot of different elements. And then there was a lot of design elements for me because it came right back to, again, an easy to read book. So there was a lot of things that I, I was a bit like, I suppose, particular about. I'm like, you know, those headings aren't sticking out strong enough or I don't feel that area is spaced out enough. And it's just very time consuming, to be honest with you, going back through things. And, you know, you're you're very aware that this book, once once it goes to print, it's gone to print. So Mm. there's that pressure to make sure that your tone and your voice and your content, you know, sounds and looks okay. I suppose it's kind of not like... uh... Not like publishing a blog post where you you no. kind of it's out there and you you kind of spot a mistake or decide you want to change something. Go you back can, and you, edit it. Yeah, yeah, you can go back in. You can you can edit it out, <laughs> and then you know hopefully not too many people may have spotted the error, and you're kind of happy in that. But well, I suppose with a book, once it's in in black and white, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do, and it's a it's really difficult. It's a very emotive process. Like I wrote about very personal things, so it was very cathartic for me. Like I wrote a chapter on postnatal depression and we took some of my diary extracts from that. And that was a really tough chapter to write. And when that came back for editing, oh my goodness, it was so difficult. Every time I edited the, edited it, the tears just flowed. I mean, I always say like, if I don't have to, I don't want to read that chapter again, you know, because it just, it just brings you right back to that place. And you're just like, I can't believe that I went through that. You know, it's so sad. But just before I got on to you guys, Today, I just received a be- another beautiful email from a mom who is really not well at the moment and said, you know, I could resonate with absolutely everything you said in that chapter. And I just want to thank you because you've really helped to pull me out of where I've been the last few weeks. And that is the primary reason I really laid myself bare in that chapter because I just felt, okay, I either... Put my diary extracts out there, which is very difficult because you're really opening yourself up to, you know, some very dark thoughts that you had at the time. Um, And we spoke, you know, I spoke to the publishers and, you know, the girl who is editing it is a mom of three. And I just said to her, like, what do you think? And she just said, I do feel it's really important. You know, what's the point in being going so far with your honesty? Just go the whole way, which we did. And I suppose I'm glad I did now. You know, when you get emails like that, like the primary, I suppose, the primary reason I wrote this book is to have mums for no other reason. Yeah, yeah. You know, is to kind of say, you don't have to go through what I went through. <laughs> I did it all for you. No, not that I've ever gone, <laughs> not that I've gone through everything. But, you know, I just, I remember my sister saying to me, like, how would you describe why you wrote this book? And I remember thinking for ages and I just said to her that day, it's kind of my hand and my hug. And, you know, it's, it's just my helping hand that I'm sharing and giving to other moms who need it because I needed it at the time. And I'm very lucky that 
I was on the Late Late Show talking about postnatal depression. And I, after that, I started to receive hundreds of emails from moms in Ireland. And they always emailed me and said, oh my God, thank you, Alison, you know, for speaking so honestly and openly. But actually what was happening is that their emails were helping me. Mm, So every time I felt like I couldn't go on and I was having a really bad day or like the last, some of the times in the last few years have been very difficult. I'm a single mom. Writing a book doesn't bring in much money, you know, so you're spending all your time working. You're worried about finances. You're worried about work. You're, you've so much other stuff going on as well. And of course there are days I'm human where I was going, God, is this worth it? Am I ever going to get a break? You know, is, is there any end in sight? And all of those things that come up for everybody and those self-doubts. And every time that happened, I'd open my email and there'd be a beautiful email from a mom saying, thank you for what you do. You know, thank you for being the voice. And I go, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And, you know, it just takes one email. And I'm always saying, that's where this book was born from. So it was born out of a passion to really want to kind of help others as well. And that the mums helped me finish the book, really. That's awesome. Awesome. I suppose, Alison, I'm conscious we're getting on for time, so I don't want to hold on to you for too much longer. But I do have a question, and Paul normally gives out to me about this question because I always <laughs> leave it to the end of our interviews. And I suppose knowing that you wanted to write the book for so long and, and having kind of really hustled to get it published, is there one thing that you've learned now that it's all done and dusted in terms of the, the writing of the book that you just wish you knew at the start of? Um... I'm trying to think. I God, there's so much I've learned about like how things work, you know what I mean, afterwards and getting your book out there and keeping it out there and like every stage of the process, like just because you get a book deal doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Yeah. You know, and that's really important to note. You know, and I think that you have to put an awful lot of yourself time, energy, effort and work in. But I think you really have to believe in your project because writing a book is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And I think you really have to believe in your project. But to be honest with you, uh, I'm kind of happy I didn't know what the process entails. And that's the answer. You know, I'm really happy. Are there things I would do differently second time round? Not really, because I just know the process now. I know what to expect, I suppose. But there's nothing really I would have done differently, I suppose. It was a huge learning curve for me, you know, and it gave me great confidence because if you were to say to me a couple of years ago that I was able to edit, you know, a book like I have and produce the book that I have, I would have said that there's no way I would have ever been able to do it. So it's funny when you're put in situations and you're challenged to do things, what we're capable of doing. So I sometimes still look at my book and go, wow. Like, I'm really proud of myself. And, I'm, you know, that's, that's a big thing for me to say because six years ago, um, when I came home to Ireland, I had completely lost all my self-confidence and self-esteem. And I've done a lot of work on myself. And I, I never thought I would see the day where I was able to go, wow, I'm really proud of myself. Like, those words I could never have uttered my entire life. So it's been a journey that's been very difficult at times. It has pushed me to my limits in every way, emotionally, physically, you know, I ended up very sick. It's, it's pushed me to my limits, but it's also, um, it's shown me that um, I can do an awful lot more than I thought and that anything's possible. So I'd say for anybody listening, if it's something that you really want and it's something that you're passionate about, you know, once you're doing something you love, it's a labor of love. 
you know, and it, it'll be worth it in the end. The end result is worth it. It's so worth it. Well, there you go. Paul, have you any more questions for Alison? You know what? I think that's a really nice note to end the show on. Um, so I'm pretty happy. I do have more questions, but I'll, I'll put parking to the side for the moment. Um, but no, that, that's everything for me. Alison, before we let you go, you might just tell our listeners where they can get a hold of you on social media. If they want to drop you a tweet or send you a message on Facebook or anything like that to say yeah. thank you very much. So my website is alisoncanavan.com and it's at Ali Canavan on Twitter, A-L-I-C-A-N-A-V-A-N. I'm on Snapchat as well. So that's Ali Canavan 78 on Snapchat and on Facebook, it's Alison Canavan Official. And on Instagram, it's at Model Mom Tales. So I'd love to hear from anybody on social media. And uh, yeah, Snapchat's my new big thing, actually. I'm yeah. getting with the young ones, you know. You know what? <laughs> Me, myself and Paul are doing a 30-day blogging challenge at the moment. And I'm looking at social media as part of that. And Snapchat is my focus for the forthcoming week. So uh, it'll be Excellent. interesting to see how that pans out. I've used it, but not from a business point of view. So that's what I'll be looking at over the next week. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But certainly for anyone who wants to get in touch with Alison, I'll have links to all of Alison's social media in the show notes. You can head over to content.academy forward slash episode 25 for all of today's show notes. Alison, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to talk guys. to you. And of course, for anyone who wants to check out Alison's book, uh, they can do that. They can search Minding Mum on Amazon and we'll make sure to link to it in the show notes as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on. We'll chat to you soon. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye. So yes, that was Alison Canavan from alisoncanavan.com uh phil i really enjoyed that podcast a little bit outside of the norm but having said that i still took a lot of notes and took a lot away from it yeah it was slightly different uh, than our usual um podcast certainly uh, as we said at the outset it wasn't a, an extremely technical one but definitely from the, the life lessons that alison had was able to share with us today um not only when it comes to your own self, but also creating content, getting your book deal and the process that goes into that. It's fair play to where it really is, as I said, inspirational. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, one thing that actually just popped out at me was, um, you know, you know, self-care is selfless. And, you know, so often it's, uh, you know, we we all of these grandiose business aims and we're, we're trying to achieve so much. Um, that sometimes we just ignore our own personal health. We don't get to the gym. We we eat the bad food, and and all of a sudden we're maybe not as productive or don't quite have the energy that we need to achieve things. Now, yeah. or um, you end up like I did a couple of years ago, Paul. Yeah, well, look, that's it. Yeah, you can know burnout can happen, and and then sure, look, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It it takes a couple of weeks at the very least to get yourself back uh, on track. So. Um, I mean, that's that's absolutely a, a lesson that everyone can take along, and especially a lot of our followers. And I suppose, I mean, similar to myself, I mean, I've got an IT career, which I've, I've been very fortunate to be very successful with uh, and also going along with the online business piece that, that we run as well. And, you know, I like to do the two together. And so that obviously can present schedule and challenges. So if, you, if you're not looking after yourself and you don't have a, a good schedule there, all of a sudden you can get in a lot of trouble. And also for people listening to this, you know, you don't necessarily have to go full time with an online business. You can actually start growing it over time. Uh, and I guess, you know, being healthy and looking after yourself, you know, is absolutely paramount or else you're, you know, you're going to get nowhere. You're going to end up, you know, just crashing and burning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I also love Alison's outlook on learning that she's constantly learning and constantly evolving. And, 
it's something that I've realized more so, especially over the last uh, 30 days as we've been doing our blogging challenge. I mean, social media would have been something when we started out, Paul, that, that we made a conscious decision that it was going to be my field and you would look after other aspects. And I spent a lot yeah. of time studying social media. Um, and then we kind of found what worked for us and we became successful uh, with, with, the, with the tactics that we had. And I have to be honest, I got a bit lazy about keeping up to date and learning new stuff because what we had worked. And it's only recently that I've kind of looked at the the kind of progressions and stuff that that wasn't necessarily around um, when we were at the peak of, of the football that I didn't really realize how much it had gone on and what I missed and what it could have implemented. And certainly there's some new technologies that I wish we had back then that would have made it even better. But it kind of brought that home to me that you do need to be constantly learning and const- constantly evolving and, and staying on top of your, your chosen field. And as Alison said, she was pushing that book for so long. And because it was a nonfiction book, you know, she had to be accurate and had to be up to date with everything going on. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it makes so much sense, but then a lot of people can be a little bit ignorant. I mean, I, look, I've, you know, studied, I've went back to college. Yes. That's one thing. That's the big commitment. But look, as you're saying, right, when we kicked off this online business, you smashed the social media element out of the park. I mean, I remember five, six years ago from, you know, the Twitter conversations, which you had kicked on and masterminded, we were having people actually make purchases to our online business from tweets we were sending out. So obviously at that point, we decided to focus on other, other parts of our online business. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it was a bad thing, but it is amazing to kind of see after two or three years of not focusing on it as much as we, you know, we had, how much has moved on. So, um, I mean, with that in mind, you know, constantly learning it just needs to it is something you really need to work into your schedule be it just reading blogs just keeping your you know finger on the pulse of new technologies i mean even blab which is something we've kind of spoke about for six or eight months um doing this show as i suppose we've started to we pre-recorded a lot of our shows in the, i suppose the, the fall of 2015 um i mean now it's at the point where i've i was you know watching you on a on a show today uh yeah, which was lapping it up good. a storm i was yes yeah you certainly were now that platform is still actually in beta so it's not actually gone on general release you know but having said that i mean if you hadn't went and figured out and found out oh look there's a platform here there's an audience here you know you wouldn't have been on that show today you know entertaining all the people who were on and you know god knows how many more will actually look at, at the recording of it so factoring in you know having the attitude to always learn is is absolutely it you know, you need this in this online economy. That, yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, and, and a passion, as Alison said, you know, being it, it's a labor of love. You know, you really need to be passionate about what you do because I can guarantee if you're in it for a quick win or you think, oh, well, someone else is doing it, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. The same for you, my friend, because I've been there. Trust me, Paul, you've been there. Everyone, I think, who's been around for a certain amount of time, you hit the wall. There's days where you just... You know, you have to drag yourself through and get things done. And if you don't have a, a passion for what you're doing, it won't get done. So uh, I really like the fact, again, Alison, Alison recognizes that. And that's what helped push her through that, obviously, and the great feedback she was getting from uh, from mums who were benefiting from her book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, let's face it. It is so fucking hard to be constantly on the hamster wheel producing the content and hitting all of those deadlines that you need. So if you don't, at the very least, like what you're doing, don't bother with it. I mean, there were times when we were working to deadlines and, you know, the pressure was on. And I used to actually sit back and smile to myself and go, you know what? This is pretty much the best part-time job that I've ever had. And that's that's kind of it because in those days, talking about football, absolutely loved it. Now, talking about business, again, 
you know, really, really is a massive passion of mine. And and look for Alison, you know, mindfulness, nutrition, you know, all of that sort of stuff which she spoke about. That's what she's passionate about. That's what she's doing Saturday morning courses on, uh, which she referenced in there. You know, so whether she be doing whether she be doing this online or or not she would still be having those conversations. And I think that's one thing which has always helped myself and yourself in business together because whether we were actually online on a podcast or whether we're just, you know, just shooting the shit, hanging out, we'll be talking about football, the sport, we'll be talking about business, this, that, the other. Uh, and I think that pushes you through those, those hard yards. Now, most of the time, things are free and breezy and it is a lot of fun. But look, those hard times do come along and, and that's where you'll get found out. The second thing is, if you are just copying somebody and you're just a watered down, you know, less good version of whatever you're copying, you're not going to get anywhere anyway. So again, you know, finding your passion, absolutely couldn't agree more with that point. Yeah. So listen, let's wrap it up there for today's show. Again, thanks very much to Alison for coming on and speaking to us. You can get all of today's show notes at content.academy forward slash episode 25. But it's a uh, goodbye from me. And it's a see you later from me. Oh,